Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by John Hipsher. He is Vice President of the Connecticut School Transportation Association and Chief Operating Officer of M&J Bus Company in Old Saybrook. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. We have been hearing about the nationwide school bus driver shortage. So let's start with how bad is it in Connecticut? Uh, Aaron, we have labeled this uh, a crisis. We've been talking about this shortage for uh, many, many months now. And um, the licensing requirements for these bus drivers is what has been the cause of this shortage for many, many years. And now that we've hit the pandemic, uh, we are really experiencing a, a tremendous increase in that shortage. Uh, all of us operators here in the state of Connecticut, and, and really this is, is a nationwide problem, uh, we're, we're operating very thin and it's at a crisis level. What sort of problems is this causing? Well, we've had to double up uh, bus runs. Um, in times we've had to uh, run maybe one run, uh, then go back and, and get the kids afterwards. Um, because we have a lot of kids that are back in school this year, which we like. Uh, parents have put their, their, their kids back on the buses. They're, they're riding to school. Problem being then, if you don't have enough bus drivers and you've had to consolidate routes, you have less vehicles, less drivers, moving more kids. Uh, you're at capacity. And uh, right now with the driver shortage, it's hard to get everybody to school and get them home. Now, you say this is something that has been building for many, many years. What are the factors involved, and is it COVID and, and now the new requirements that kick in this coming week that are going to put things over the edge? Well, really, we, we feel that, and something we're going to uh, begin to change presently, is the, the licensing requirement for these drivers should be a school bus license. It should not be a CDL that is requiring um, uh, you know, prospective drivers to learn how to back up um, you know, a large tractor trailer to a, a loading dock, for example. School bus operators do not back their buses up to a loading dock. Um, they don't even wanna be backing up the bus to begin with, only in a rare circumstances that leads to trouble. So what we're looking for is to get help from the federal government and the state of Connecticut on the testing requirements and ultimately get a school bus license where these drivers are trained for these specific things that they will need to know to operate a school bus. 
how long is the process if someone says, I want to become a school bus driver from start to when you first get behind the wheel and do your first run? Well, we see a range. Sometimes uh, it could be as, as uh, uh, early as eight weeks. Sometimes it can be as long as maybe potentially up to 12 weeks. The background check process has been very, very slow. Um, I will say that some improvements in the fingerprinting process, including some electronic uh, digital fingerprinting systems that are at the police barracks across the state of Connecticut, those types of things have helped increase the uh, processing time of the background checks on individuals. And, and that's a big help. So we're, we're hoping that we're going to start to see something that's maybe more in the six to eight week period in the near future. But presently, all of us have been somewhere eight to 12 weeks, which is very difficult on someone that is looking to join a, an industry and join a business and, and start earning money right away. Now, so in Connecticut, you want to create a new class of driver's license just for school bus drivers, correct? Yes, that's correct. And, and the federal government is a big part of creating these standards for the existing testing that goes on. But in conjunction with that, the state of Connecticut has a, a proficiency test that they require out of our school bus drivers every four years. It is a very, very stringent test that, again, deals not just with school bus operation. It's almost like they're going through a full retest at that point. What it does, it, it is very intimidating to the drivers, especially some of your um, older clientele that are maybe retired or semi-retired from another job that are uh, working hard for you. Their attendance is fantastic. And they get to this proficiency and some of them just say, you know what, I don't want to do it. And I'm going to downgrade my license to maybe drive a, um, a smaller vehicle such as a van for you. And that creates more shortage. That's exactly what it does. So the, the federal testing requirements need to be changed to a school bus license. And here in the state of Connecticut, the proficiency test needs to go away. That's a very, very important part of this. Now, this sounds like a longer term rent remedy. Are there other steps you're taking to address the driver shortage in the shorter term? It, it is a long-term strategy. There's no doubt about it. Um, for the greater, you know, the, the great advantage and, and health of this industry, we need to start that first process now. Uh, presently, all of us operators here, we've tried to reward our drivers. We've tried to do so with um, increase in pay, um, attendance bonuses, uh, referral bonuses for them to maybe find somebody that they know, a family friend um, that's interested in maybe trying a new career and would like to join us and train. Maybe they know another licensed driver for another bus company that they can uh, bring and lure over to to our company. So we all try to do those things, generally increasing our compensation packages for the drivers to, to try to reward them for for working with us, working through the pandemic, and, and not having them leave to join another industry. Now, for most drivers, this is not a full-time job, correct? Uh, that's correct. So it, it, it's kind of a mixed bag. You can have some folks that um, can only work part-time or desire to work part-time. This is a wonderful industry to be a part of for that. Um, it's, it's high-paying part-time work. Those that are looking for more hours can do things like some athletic and field trips and uh, try to do some midday or late runs to, to increase their hours. Um, it, it, I guess it kind of depends. It's a very versatile um, industry to be able to provide, uh, you know, hours that folks are looking for that it's kind of a broad range. So um, we're, we're targeting anything from stay at home uh, moms and dads to 
retirees. And we always welcome those that are just looking for a, a career change and want to give our, our bus business a try. Now, we heard recently of a signing bonus in one community, South Windsor, where the school district and the local bus company, which is, by the way, not M&J, partnered to offer a $7,000 signing bonus if the driver signed on with the school district and stayed for, I think, almost a year. But you're no fan of signing bonuses, are you? I'm very cautious of them. I think that it's very important that you make your existing driving staff feel that they are at home, that they are part of your working family, that they feel that you've rewarded them for staying with you for a long time. It is very difficult to offer uh, and throw a big uh, bonus at somebody to join you from the outside uh, just because you're trying to fill some, some open bus seats. Uh, it's not necessarily well re- always well received by the existing staff. And I think that that location and that group that you were discussing saw quite a bit of negative feedback. Have you at M&J lost drivers to signing bonuses offered by other companies? Yes, we have. Uh, we have lost a handful of those. I would say, Aaron, that oftentimes we find that uh, here at M&J, many times if folks have left us and been lured away uh, by some, by some you know, large sign-on bonuses, uh, we find that they have had their best experience feeling at home here feeling appreciated at M&J, and, and many times they come back. But it, it, it hurts a lot. You lose one driver in this business, it, it hurts a lot. Now, you have Monday, tomorrow, September 27th, circled on your calendar. Why is that? September 27th is the first day where all of us bus operators have um, to have, we have requirements that have been placed on us by the governor through an executive order where the drivers need to be either vaccinated or have their, have their first shot um, and their second one scheduled, or they need to undergo weekly testing. And um, you gotta hope that those folks are gonna wanna do the weekly testing if they're not vaccinated, because other than that, then we're not allowed to have them operate our school buses. What are you hearing from drivers? And is there a concern that the shortage is going to get worse after the deadline tomorrow? Oh, we're hearing a tremendous amount of pushback from the drivers. This is a very polarizing topic for people. Uh, Many times the feedback to us is that people don't want to be forced into doing something if it goes against their fundamentals. And I understand that. I respect that. Uh, One of the things that has hurt us in this business tremendously is the timing of this requirement. We're just hearing about this in recent weeks. The discussion that we've been hearing out of the the Capitol has been uh, fluid and non-committal. And just on Friday afternoon, last Friday, the um, I would say the specifics of the mandate were handed out to all of us operators. And so now what we're doing this week is trying to scramble and find out of all about all of our drivers who's vaccinated, who is not, um, who wants to test, who who's maybe not going to test. We have already had numerous people. I would say right now, as of uh, as of today, we've had five to ten people that have already told us that Friday of this week is their last day, and they won't be coming to work on Monday because they don't want to test. You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to John Hipsher, Vice President of the Connecticut School Transportation Association and Chief Operating Officer at M&J Bus Company based in Old Saybrook. So with the deadline in mind, I should say we are recording this 
on Wednesday. What happens next week? Are you alerting school districts that you serve that there there might be issues in terms of uh, getting buses on routes and drivers on the routes? Yes, absolutely. So we're all in, 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 in any of our districts where we are seeing if there's a high number of drivers that could potentially be out. Uh, we are notifying those districts that, you know, we could be in some trouble Monday morning. And um, what we're looking for from the districts is some patience and some understanding. They know what we're up against. Uh, they don't have necessarily any solutions for us, but um, the best that we can do is communicate with them as early as possible of any further consolidations that we need to make in bus routes. And more importantly, if we see that there are any buses that we're just simply not going to be able to run. How has the shortage and the the resulting service issues, uh, how have, have those been received by, number one, school systems, and number two, parents? I think this year, through all of the, uh, the, the media attention that we have tried to bring to this to show appreciation uh, for moms and dads in the districts for years past, you know, with, with the shortage leading up to where we are, we, we want to say thank you for, you know, your patience and, and understanding of what we try to do to safely get students where they need to go every single day. And the best that we can do now is, is continue that, that good discussion with them. I think that there are still plenty that um, look at us and say, hey, listen, it's, it's your job to provide the buses and the drivers. Uh, that's your business. Um, and, and there are those that are, are very understanding. I've had many drivers uh, get wonderful compliments from moms and dads in their communities. Um, we've seen social media uh, uh, you know, outpouring of, of support for us. That's nice to hear. It's very nice to hear because the best, the best message that we can send to the moms and dads out there because those are the most important people that need to hear from us is that pl- please be patient with us and we're doing the best that we can, but safety is always, always number one um, on the forefront of everything that, that we all do every day. Now you talked about the, the vaccination or, or testing mandate that, that kicks in this coming week. In general, what are the rules in terms of, of masking on school buses for drivers and the students they're, they're caring for? Uh, let's see. So the drivers are required to wear a mask every time students are on board. The students are required to be wearing masks as they board the buses. If we have a student that has forgotten a mask or it's been somehow uh, broken or they've lost it at the bus stop, uh, we have a supply of masks on the bus that we hand to them as they as they get on. We do try to distance as much as we can on the buses, but candidly, that's been very difficult this year with the increase in the ridership. But uh, what we have seen, and this is something that we saw last year, that the best thing that we can all be doing, students and drivers, is wearing our masks. Now, you, you talk about one of the, the things you're doing to rectify the driver shortage is to increase pay. And I know transportation is a big budget item for school districts. Is this going to trickle down to, you know, essentially higher property taxes for, for districts if if bus companies have to pay more to, to attract and retain drivers, they're going to have to raise what they charge school districts eventually, correct? Uh, certainly. That's that's 100% correct. You're going to see that um, with with upward pressure in wages, you know, like we all see as consumers out there, when there's upward, upward pressure in wages, 
you pay for it, whether it's at a, a retail uh, product you're purchasing or, um, you know, restaurant that you're attending, those, those kinds of things. It's the same thing here as our costs go up. Uh, and we're just not able to absorb all those increases. Uh, there's absolutely increases that districts would see when, let's just say, contracts are renewed. And, um, you know, that's that's going to fall on, on their budgets for sure. Uh, how it gets to the taxpayers, that's, that's a little bit beyond uh, uh, my mathematics, but certainly the districts would be um, having to bear some of that cost or, or the majority of it. Are there some contracts you have now that aren't, technically profitable anymore be because of cost increases you've seen? Well, I, I think that we all operate on such thin margins to begin with here um, in this business. So this this pressure that is uh, put on all of us now to compensate drivers that you have uh, more and um, potentially compensate ones that are joining you from the outside more than you have in the past because uh, you don't want to lose them. It has it has absolutely affected our 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 profit uh, picture here, um, but you know I guess the way we look at it is is we need to invest in our people. They're the most important asset that we have, and they're on the front lines of of transporting these kids every day. It, it's a difficult balance trying to manage your your income and your and your profitability and uh, pay your people the best that you can. And and but that's the challenge we face every day. You just have to do your best. Now, going back to the issue of creating a, a new class of uh, license for school bus drivers, there was a, a fatal school bus crash in Connecticut in Hartford just over a, a decade ago. And since that point, there was a push in the legislature to enhance safety through reforms to how school buses operate. Have you received any feedback or opposition to your proposal to to scale back some of these requirements because of concerns about safety? Well, I think we're still at such at the beginning, uh, you know, the infancy of, of trying to get, uh, you know, those that we need to talk with at the state level and whoever the liaison is to the federal level. We're just right at the beginning point of, of letting folks up in, in Hartford know that, that that's a, a goal of ours. So, um, that that's very early on right now. Now the the um, I wouldn't say that this would involve any rollback of any safety requirements for these drivers with respect to their licensing and their training. Uh, it would still be very rigorous and and always you know focusing on on the safety and making sure that these these operators know how to safely operate their vehicles. So we're not looking to cut any corners. We're just looking to I guess maybe the best way is to remove some things that are in the licensing that just aren't associated with safety or operating the school bus. But that's our target to, to narrow this down. Um, you know, just as you have uh, um, a way that we all have to train to operate our motor vehicles, something that's specific to the, the operation of that, of that vehicle. As you mentioned, this is a mix of federal and state requirements. Is there one system someplace in the country that you can use as a model and say, ah, this, this works well, let's bring this to Connecticut? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. I can only speculate that numerous states are experiencing the same difficulty as we are, and uh, because the shortage is, is nationwide. But um, I am aware that the state of Connecticut, I believe, is the only state in the nation that requires this proficiency test every four years. So that's why that's very, very high on our agenda to have that uh, abolished or allow us to do the training that 
that our internal um, trainers who all have the expertise to get these folks licensed in the first place allow us to continue the the ongoing education and training of them um, as part of their 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 annual licensing or or you know um, just evaluating them on on the roadways allow us to do that rather than putting them under the stress of this major major test every four years. Now, in addition to proficiency testing, there's also a health component that drivers have to to undergo every so often too, correct? Uh, yes, they are required to have an updated physical and, and medical card. Uh, that can vary uh, with the frequency depending on age, um, any medical conditions that they may have. So that is an ongoing requirement of their licensing. Now, going back to the issue of COVID testing or, or, or getting the vaccine, the, the deadline that, that kicks in on Monday, one of the issues you've raised is the availability of, of testing sites. Correct. Uh, the state has put out a list that was originally, I believe, 14 sites. I, I believe it has expanded by several across the state of Connecticut that are free testing sites so that these drivers have an option to go to that do not want to vaccinate to weekly test. And the requirements of the executive order are once a week, doesn't matter what day of the week, but simply once every seven days, they need to get a test and submit the results to us so that we can have it on file. Some districts may ask us to present evidence that we are complying with that. The problem is we need more of those sites and the ones that have been published and listed for us to review, there are many, many restrictions at those locations. It could be the number of days a week that they're open, the number of hours a day that they're open. It's not necessarily as, as convenient as it might appear. And one of the problems is it's not just the school bus industry that needs to undergo weekly testing. There are probably numerous other industries that are experiencing this. You're now going to have uh, scheduling that is going to get, have such a major backlog at these locations that I have a feeling that many lo- many drivers are going to try to get a an appointment to test in in coming weeks and they're unable to get uh, you know they're unable to get a slot someplace. Now what are we going to do? That person's not going to be eligible to drive. That's another just another frustrating thing associated with this with this executive order that's been handed out. Now you underscore free testing sites. I suspect you don't have money in in your budgets to pay for testing. Have you explored the possibility of maybe accessing federal funds through the state to, to help pay for testing and make it more available for school bus drivers? We're, we're not aware that there are any uh, through our industry association with Costa. We meet regularly. To, I'm not aware of anything that has come up as of yet, any kind of funds like that, that we can tap into. We do have one district that has accessed uh, some, uh, and I believe it's a federal grant where they are allowing our drivers to uh, test at one of their school facilities on a weekly basis, along with any of their staff, um, you know, that, that has not, that has not been vaccinated and, and is testing. So that's very, very well appreciated by us. Uh, but we, we have asked about that. I, I don't know the specifics of whatever that grant might be. And I don't know that all districts are um, are eligible to get that. So uh, that was a, a welcome surprise. But by and large, the focus has been on trying to find free testing s- sites for folks. Now, if someone is listening to this and has an interest in becoming a school bus driver, what should they do? Well, um, 
I can safely say that all of us operators in the state of Connecticut are hiring. You can go to a website that's been established by um, our Costa and, and media representation, uh, driveCTKids.org. On that website, you can indicate the town that you are interested in driving in, and there will be a contact number of the bus company that comes up that is available for you to readily call. The other option that you have is to just go to the, the bus depot or bus terminal that's in your town, uh, walk on in, and, and hopefully uh, every bus company, I know M&J, will uh, give you a smiling face and uh, happy to sit down with you and talk with you about, uh, about applying and, and what the job is all about. He is John Hipsher, Vice President of the Connecticut School Transportation Association and Chief Operating Officer at M&J Bus Company in Old Saybrook. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. Appreciate being on. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.